Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Just Shayin. Um, I want to take a few minutes, as we know, that's probably going to turn into way more than just a few. I mean, what is a few? Like, can we talk about that? Like, is a few two minutes? Is a few like four minutes? Like, what is a few? Hey guys, I'm Shay, a three-winged two on the Enneagram that finds her home in Atlanta, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to create an ongoing conversation about the tensions of following Jesus in today's culture. Join me and many others as we have conversations that challenge and inspire us to follow Jesus in our day and age. This is Just Shayin'. I want to talk about the subject the topic, the one that's probably going to hit most of y'all, um, but maybe not. Maybe it's not going to hit you. But you know what? It's hitting me. So that's why I'm going to talk about it. Uh, recently, I was asked to share at a church in South Carolina on the topic of singleness. Um, can I just say that I never thought <laughs> in my wildest dreams or nightmares that I would ever, ever be able to walk on a stage amongst hundreds of people and talk about singleness? You know, I never woke up one day and said, God, it's my desire to talk about singleness. Never once did that. But you know what? I have to say that if I have been single this long, For the reason of standing on that platform a couple weeks ago and sharing about singleness, if that's the reason I'm still single, I mean, I'm still single today, two weeks later, but if that was one of the many reasons that I am 100% in awe of that moment, and I'm so honored that I could be the one that could share about this. There's so many people I know that they could have picked or so just so many other people living this out. And so I want to talk about singleness. Mm, I know. I know. Again, some, you know, I think that this podcast isn't just for singles. So I may not even title it about singleness, you know, because, you know, some people are going to pass over it. And I'm like, no, sir. No, ma'am. You need to listen to this, too. And so I want to talk about singleness, but I also just up front, my goal is to also talk about marriage, not because I'm married, but because what I'm going to talk about applies to both. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel, that no matter your relational status, no matter where you are, maybe you're dating somebody, maybe, you know, you're engaged, maybe you've been married for 45 years, no matter where you're at in your walk and a relational status, you will find something in this. So don't turn me off. Don't turn me down. Just tune in. Turn your heart up. I didn't even make sense. Turn your heart up. Not sure what that means, but please don't quote me. But it'd be like that sometimes. Singleness. So I'm Shay, as we all know. I'm 35. I'm single. 35 and single. And to be honest, I've never even been on a date. The one time I thought I was going on a date, I showed up to the movie theater. First of all, should have been my first clue. He didn't pick me up. Second of all, 
He didn't even buy my movie ticket. So that's when I knew, okay, we must just be friends. So doesn't mean I haven't been asked out. Doesn't mean any of that. Just means, I don't know, maybe it means I have a higher standard. I'm not really sure. And this is not the moment to evaluate me. But let's talk about singleness. Um, In preparing for my time with the church a couple weeks ago, um, I, I was looking over Jesus's life. Obviously, we know that Jesus was single. Um, he had c- close community around him. He would go and steal time with the Father. Um, so obviously, we look at him. <laughs> He's like the number one, right? He is the number one with the lemonade. <sighs> Poor Kanye. He keeps coming up in all of my talks about singleness. And if you know him, by small chance, you just let him know. He's, you know, like I'm quoting him. But um, so I look at Jesus and then I look at Paul because we all, maybe we're not all familiar, but I feel like we would all be familiar with the scripture that Paul basically says, like, if you're burning with lust, go get married. It's not how he says it, but that's the Shea edition. But he's basically saying, if if not, like if you have the grace to be single, like take it as a gift. Again, Shea edition. And so I was looking at that thinking like, well, maybe I'll start there. Like, obviously he's talking about singleness and, you know, there's like probably, I don't even know how many opinions on that scripture. So I just sat with the father and I was like, father, what the heck? Like, where the heck do I even start? And I felt like he told me to go back all the way to the beginning, all the way back. Oh, nope. And keep going. Keep all the way back, cruising backwards through the Old Testament. Because I'm thinking, you know, what did Paul do? You know, like, you know, not even what did he do before he was married? Because some people say he was married. Some people say he wasn't. There's lots of things around that. Um, We could think of Peter. We could think of the disciples that were married. We could think of um, Timothy, like so many different people that were married in the Bible, but God took me all the way back to Genesis. Yep. Good old Genesis. Good old Genesis. Back to the beginning, back to the beginning. And what I loved about, like, I would just sit in my living room after praying and just inviting like a spirit of revelation. I would just say, father, like show me Like he took me all the way back to where man was created and woman was created, where creation was spoken to existence. And I would just sat on it for days. And I'm like, show me something not new, because it's not new. Show me something in this context, in this in this part of scripture. And so I just begin to read Genesis 2. And Genesis 2 starts off with God saying basically like everything was complete. He had finished making the heavens and the earth and he finished making birds and animals. And even like he, at this point, he's made Adam. And it talks about in Genesis, the beginning of part of Genesis 2, it talks about how he created Adam. He took Adam from dirt and he breathed on it and he created Adam. And he talks about his... You know, it goes on to share about Eve. But what I'm trying to get to is before... So I'm sitting there reading this over and over and over. Over and over and over. And things, certain things are standing out to me. And 
I'm getting really blessed by it, but I'm just like, I sit there and I'm like, okay, what was Adam doing before Eve? Like, before we see one person become two, which essentially two become one, but you understand what I'm saying, what was Adam doing? Adam was walking the garden. In Genesis 2.15, it says he was walking the garden with the Father, which we know the Trinity would be there. So it's perfect Jesus Christ, perfect Holy Spirit, perfect Father, perfect community. All things are just a go, like the perfect community, the perfect oneness, the perfect nearness. He has everything that my spirit man longs for, everything that your spirit man longs for, he was experiencing in the garden, closeness, nearness, community, um, feeling whole, complete. He was living out completeness, wholeheartedness. And it says that, that God commanded him two things. So he told Adam, you have to do two, these two things. And it was to watch over the garden and tend to the garden. And so I figure, Adam, again, you can figure something else, but I'm pretty sure I picture Adam walking the garden with the Trinity, complete, complete unity, completeness, finding purpose and putting his hand to the plow, the garden, naming the animals. We even see that he gets to name the animals and he gets to roam with the animals and he gets to walk in unison with the Trinity and the Father. So I feel like that was just, that's just beautiful. Like, I don't care who you are, like that, like your spirit, man, even when I'm saying it, you're like, yup, like that's what I long for. And we do. Our spirit, man, is constantly yearning for that. It's groaning for that. It's groaning for the father. It's groaning for, for what we were made for. And as Adam's working, as he's plowing, as he's watching over the garden and tending to it, the father probably, in Shea version, looks over to Adam thinking, there's something missing. There's something missing. Even though he has everything. It's not that he has, he does, Adam himself, himself does not even know that there's a need. He doesn't know that there's a lack, but the father sees a lack and says, like, he needs a helper. Man, I was so moved by this, this part, and I just couldn't get away from it. Like, for days and days, I'm just sitting here like, oh, my gosh. Like, like Adam didn't know that he needed a helper. Like, he wasn't culturally now, we, like, he wasn't in God's face yelling, I need a husband, or, you know, like, I need a wife. Like, he didn't realize any of that. He had, he was fully complete. He lacked nothing in his own eyes, but the father saw his need. The father saw there was something missing. Man, I've just been sitting on that. This idea that Adam was complete. He wasn't missing anything. He wasn't lacking anything in his own eyes. He was doing what the father told him to do. He was working the garden, intending to it. And the father looks over and says, you need a help, mate. You need, you need a helper. And then we begin to see that the father puts Adam to sleep. 
and creates Eve out of Adam's rib. I'm here to tell you if you're single, you're complete. Adam was complete long before Eve even came into existence. Adam was complete. I think culturally, it doesn't sit with us. Even in the church, and I hate saying that, but for so long in my singleness, I've thought, man, I'm not really complete until I get married. Ah, I hate that. Even saying it makes me cringe. Because in the natural, we pair things. We pair things. We pair peanut butter with jelly and salt with pepper and salad with croutons. Like we are always pairing things. Is that evil? Absolutely not. But can it be a trip up? Can it be a stumbling block to the truth? Absolutely. I'm single, but I am complete. I am complete. Adam was complete before Eve ever showed up in that garden. And not once did Adam ever yell or scream at the father. Because Adam didn't, A, he didn't see that he needed something. But B, he completely trusted the father. He completely trusted him. Anytime I get like frustrated in my singleness, it's just because I lack trust. I don't trust his timing. I don't trust his goodness. I don't trust all the things. And the list could go on. The chaos of my own heart gets pulled and swayed by culture in the world, telling me I'm too old, I need to get married. Um, You know, I don't even go down that rabbit trail because I could talk for hours. But I want to talk to you about the idea that you are both complete. You are complete. You are complete. Pre-marriage, you are complete. Before you get a spouse, you are complete. And so often as single people, um, we wait for a wedding. We wait to do something great until after we we, we desire to get married. Like that has to be the first thing. And then I'm going to do all these things. I run into so many people that live that way. They want to get married and then do the thing. And it's like, it's not always going to happen that way. Culture has pushed, the church has pushed the idea that you aren't complete until you're married. And I'm here to tell you, you are complete without a spouse. For the married people out there, and you're thinking, well, I'm not single, so I don't know how this is relevant to me. The truth is you're not complete because of your spouse, You're not complete because you have children. You're not complete because you have bits and parts of the American dream. You are complete because of Christ. You are complete before you gave your heart to your spouse. You were complete before you had the dream job. You were complete before you had the nice car. You were complete when he thought of you in the garden. You were complete long before somebody put a ring on your finger. Before we give our hearts to a spouse, we first give our hearts to the Father with a resounding yes in our heart that we will go wherever, we will do whatever, that He is now the lover of our soul. 
And in some ways, I know on the other side of singleness and marriage, that changes and it looks different. Because now you're called to love this person that you sleep in the same bed with called your spouse. And you're called to to love them like Christ. And as a single person, I'm called to love like Christ in a different way. See, I see, I, I believe that me living out my singleness can be the greatest portrayal of the gospel. You know, it's really a miracle when I look back at my 35 years on this planet and I'm still single. Some would say it could be, it could feel like a curse and some days it does. But the truth is it's actually a miracle and, and marriage in itself is a sign and a wonder the fact that marriages stay together, the fact that you commit yourself to one person is much the same as a single person that has committed themselves to the Father, committed themselves to Christ. And you, married people, you've committed yourself to Christ as well as a person, a spouse, and you have committed to loving them and in sickness and in health. And I'm just here to remind all of us, whether we're single or whether we are married, that you are complete. That you aren't um, a puzzle piece looking for the puzzle. That that you aren't broken. That you aren't... um, Yeah, we're broken in our humanity. But I'm saying in the Father's eyes, you are complete. and, And you don't have to wait around for a wedding to give him your all. Um, I think sometimes the church tells us that, and I don't think it screams at, at, at us blatantly. I think a lot of it is the fact that it screams silently. You know, whether you're a female that gets asked what who your covering is in ministry or, you know, you get asked those questions, do you even want to be married or why have you been single so long or you know, and it's not necessarily that the questions are wrong. It's the tone behind them. It's the heart behind them. Because we as singles need to be asked in a relational way, not just a belittling way. Like, we're very aware that we're single. Like, it doesn't take much to know that someone's single. But my real question for us is, do you know that you're complete? Are you waiting around to feel complete by marriage? Have you made marriage an idol? Those are questions I want to ask single people. And I think even in marriage, you can still make marriage an idol. You can make your spouse the one that, you know, that you're hoping will complete you and you're already married. And the truth is, is that you're already complete. You're already complete in Christ. And so what do we do with the, this paradox of I'm complete, but here's the other side. I long to be married. I long to be held. I long to have companionship. I long, I long. I'm complete, but I long. Here's a beautiful thing about the mystery of God is that you can be both, like you can be complete and still long. Your longing doesn't take away from your completeness. That's so good. For years, I just thought, man, like I'm not complete because I still long. And the truth is, is Shay's complete and she still longs. She longs for marriage. She longs to 
you know, I keep talking in the third person. I long to be married. I long to give myself to a husband in that way. I, I long for that. But here's the thing. I'm not making it an idol. I'm, I'm keeping my longing in the light. I'm bringing people in to help me steward that longing so that I can leverage that longing for the sake of Christ. If our singleness is one of the greatest tools that we can show the world the gospel, then I really have to make sure that I'm living my singleness, my singleness out properly, purposely, and powerfully. This doesn't mean I give myself to all the other lovers, whether it's other people or um, I give myself emotionally to people or I give my eye to entertainment and rom-coms. Like This means I have to make sure that I stay in check. Because I, I am complete, but also I long. And what we do with that longing and how we steward that longing really matters. I think, you know, when, when God asked Adam two things, he says, watch over the garden and tend to the garden. Uh, so many reference points could say that your heart is that garden. Shay's heart has to be looked after. Shay's heart has to be watched out for. Shay's heart has to be tended to. And in that longing, I need to leverage to healing. I need to leverage to purpose. I need to leverage for the sake of the gospel that even though I long, he is my worthy lover. He was my first yes. And he will always be my first yes, even before husband. That when I gave everything, I really gave everything to him. And so I want, to, I want to tell singles and honestly marrieds, because even though you're married, you can still long for the father. You can still long to be embraced by that spouse. You can still long. Leverage that longing. Leverage that longing. Live in the light. Talk about the longing because we need people that are talking about it. But also don't make that longing an idol. Don't idolize your longing more than your completeness. Don't idolize what you don't have when you actually have everything that you need. And I know that sucks because you think you need a spouse. You think you need certain things in your life. The Father knows what you need right when you need it. And that's coming from a 35-year-old that probably didn't think she was going to be 35 and single. I have to yield. I have to trust. I have to surrender my control of what I think life should be and say, God, you are good. And I want to trust you the way that Adam did. I want to put my hand to the plow with you as a single person in community. And I want to trust that you know when the time is right. I want to get there, and I don't want to just think that I'm going to be made complete when a man comes. I want to live in my completion now, but I also don't want to silence the longing. I don't want to pretend that I'm just like A-okay all the time in my singleness because I'm not. I long, I long to be loved so deeply and so known deeply, first by the Father and second by a man. I've been challenged uh, in the last, I don't know, since January to start making covenantal decisions now before a man comes. 
Like I was really challenged by a, a, a leader, but also a great friend of mine. Like, what would it look like if I started falling in love with this man before I knew this man? Because I'm falling in love with the one that created him. And so I want to challenge us that you are complete and it's okay to long. You can have both completion and longing. And it doesn't mean you are a jacked up person. It means that you're human. And they're both welcomed in front of the Father. But my question is, how do you steward that longing? Because that's what matters. So I've been doing my best to leverage the longing like I keep referring to, but also making a covenant now before I know this person of, you know, whether that's in the movies I watch or the music I listen to, or this is not legalism, this is love. And I want to make sure my heart is watched out for and it's tended to, and I want to get the healing that I can get while I'm single does it is it, I'm not going to be completely healed when I go into marriage by any stretch, but I want to do my part on this side to give it everything I have so that one day, by God's grace, I can stand at an, an altar and I can hand over everything that the name Shea Arthur stood for and believed, all the healing that she got, all of the things that I have leveraged for the gospel, whether it's the nations and missions or living com- in community, living in the light and vulnerability and killing shame in my own life, I want to be able to hand that to someone the same way I hand it to God every day. And I say, here I am again. I want to be able to do that. And until that day, I want to also know that I'm complete. I'm not complete once I just stand at an altar and say, yes, I'm complete now, here, right now, in my house, right now, with no ring on my finger. So to you who are dating, to you that haven't been on a date yet, to the person that's married for 45 years, you are complete. You are complete not because you have a ring on your finger, but because you were made complete in the Father through Christ Jesus. And I pray that that we would let this sit on us and that we would actually let it get deep down in our heart, that you're not working to be made complete. You are complete, and therefore you're working in love for the Father. To my singles, live in the light. Do whatever you got to do to live in the light and leverage your longing. Don't be scared to talk about it. But also, don't isolate yourself with your longing. Let people come into that spot. Let people talk about it. Let like bring yourself to the table and talk about it. But also, you are complete. Much like Adam in the garden. God would give us, as singles and marrieds, two commands. Watch over the garden and tend to the garden, knowing that we can trust the Father. He knows the timing. He knows our our need. He knows. And we, specifically me, hallelujah, can trust the Father with that. 